Hey, good morning, everybody. Should we do that one more time just for fun? Do you need a reminder of what happened? Uh, I don't know how that got up there. That wasn't planned. They just, that just appeared on the screen. I don't, I don't know. It must have started automatically. Folks, I got one thing to say as we start this day, the most theological, pastoral thing that I could say. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Okay, gotcha. So now, just to show hands to see how many people I've absolutely offended already this morning. How many Hawkeye fans are out there this morning? Okay. Well, well represented. How many Cyclone fans are here for the, for the healing service this morning? Anybody? Okay. Gotcha. Good. Okay. Just we're partial. How about Drake? Any Drake fans out there? Got a few Drake fans? Okay. Got a few graduates. How about you and I? Just wanted to get everybody represented. I'm not going to go down the whole list. How many people don't care about sports at all? Okay. All right. We're glad you're here too, right? Uh, we, <laughs> that, is, that is totally fine. But regardless uh, of whether you care about football or the big game, like Jed said, we are so glad that you're here. Uh, no matter what team you root for, we are all on the same team. But it is undeniable whether you uh, care about sports or not. But all throughout the week, you could feel the energy and the momentum and the excitement uh, building throughout the entire state of Iowa. Everybody, you know, when you're in conversation with people, hey, you got, you got tickets to the game? Are you going to the game? Are you going to watch the game? Where are you going to watch it at? Who are you going to watch it with? The overall theme seems to be there's something big happening and you don't want to miss it. Okay, and everybody, I mean, I, was, I went to Panera for a while yesterday to read a little bit, and then I realized, like, oh, my word, the game has started. There was nobody anywhere in town. Like, everybody's inside uh, watching the game. It's just, like, it's like a, a, a ghost town uh, when this game is going on. There's something big going on, and you don't want to miss it. And that really has been the theme around here this week as well. It is Rally Weekend. It's Rally Sunday at all of Hope's campuses. And some of you are like, Rally Sunday, what's that all about? Are we, we losing? Do we need to rally back? Or what's, what's going on? Is this just some weird Lutheran thing? And for some of you, maybe that didn't grow up Lutheran or didn't go up in a traditional church setting, uh, I'm here to tell you no. It's actually this kind of strange thing that a lot of traditional churches, Protestant churches started uh, about 100 years ago because what would happen is during the summer, people would just leave and the churches would kind of take the summer off and people would go to the cabin or they'd go to the lake or they'd get busy with all sorts of things and the church would quote-unquote kind of shut down for the summer and so then as the school year was starting, we had to rally the congregation back together and so they'd have this day that they called Rally Day or Rally Sunday to say, okay, come on back, let's, let's keep going, let's keep being the church and the problem is, is that today, yes, it is rally day, but that didn't really happen here. And so we can't really rally if we've already been rallying. Just to give you a picture uh, of how you did not take the summer off and God continued uh, to move, you actually did exactly the opposite. So just a few highlights, just a snapshot. It seems like a long time ago, but back in July, over 200 adults and kids experienced the love of Jesus through Vacation Bible School. It was incredible. A couple weeks ago, we dropped off almost 200 backpacks at Moulton and Edmonds Elementary Schools for kids that don't have enough school supplies. A few weeks weeks back at the river, over 30 people were baptized into Christ for the first time. It was amazing. And not to mention, uh, just this past week, we kicked off our second year uh, of Hope Christian Preschool downtown right here in this building. And so the overall noise level went uh, exponentially up uh, for our staff, which is awesome. And close to 60 kids are now in our Hope Downtown Preschool as well. And that's just the highlights, folks. So praise God for what he did this summer. Absolutely. You betcha. Man. <clears throat> And so before we kind of kick off the fall and get into Rally Sunday here, I just want to stop and say thank you. 
I don't do that nearly often enough, but you are an incredible church, and I know that you're not doing it for me, you're not doing it for yourselves, you're doing it for an audience of one. And it is a privilege uh, to be a part of this church and to be a leader on this team that you are an awesome church uh, to be on mission with uh, every single week. And so thank you for continuing to be faithful and during the summer and all of you that had a part in that as well. Because something powerful happens when we rally together for a mission that's bigger than ourselves. And that's true of whether we're a church coming together on Rally Sunday or we're a football team. Now, I have to tell you this. As I was watching the game yesterday, I have this little app that I kind of hop on, and I saw a little bit of the, the preview before the game. And actually, my favorite part of the game, you want to know what my favorite part was? It wasn't, you know, the Akram Wadley's run, and he, you know, he's throwing off cyclones left and right and scoring so that God's will would be done, and all of those things. That wasn't, that wasn't my, my favorite part. It wasn't the Hawkeyes running over and grabbing the Cyhawk trophy and carrying out a Jack Trice. Do you want me to keep going? That wasn't my favorite part uh, either. My favorite part was actually before the game game begin. The teams are out on the field, and they're in their own individual spots, and they're spread out as a team. And both teams do this. I'm not, not partial in this sense, but uh, the, the quarterbacks are over there, and the receivers are over there, and the defense is over there. And then all of a sudden, one of the coaches blows their whistle. And you kind of watch this if you're paying attention. This is even before the band gets on. When they're doing their warm-ups, the coach blows the whistle, and then they all come together, and they kind of huddle up. And I don't know if Iowa State does this, but Iowa kind of comes together, and they pull one finger up in the air, and they come together, and they, they huddle up. And in that moment, yeah, they have their individual names on the back of their jerseys, but in that moment, it doesn't matter if they're an All-American or they're a bench warmer. It doesn't matter how they got on the team, if they're a freshman or a senior, or whether they came from the city or the suburbs or, or wherever they came from. They're, the Hawkeyes are from, from all over the country. They recruit, and so there's all these people, and for the next two and a half hours, they are a team. They are unified. That's why when they, when they come out together, they, they hold hands they don't run out individually, they hold hands because they're one single unit and they have a mission is to win that game. That's what success is for them. And so what we celebrate today on this Rally Sunday is that we have a mission as well. We are a team as well and we have a mission that is far greater and far more important than watching 19 and 20 year old young men knock each other's heads off. I know that sounds pretty exciting, but we have a mission that is bigger than that. And if you think about it, just for a second, just humor me for a second here. If, if you haven't looked at who's around you yet, just kind of awkwardly turn around and look at the people behind you and next to you. Just kind of, if you haven't given them that awkward look already, just smile at them, look at them, just kind of look at each other, look around. Uh, quite an interesting group of people we have here this morning, but very diverse, very different. And yet we ended up all here together at the same time. And if you think about it, some of us are, uh, we have different hometowns, we have different backgrounds, we have different uh, church backgrounds. Some of you grew up in the church, some of you uh, have had no church affiliation, and this is kind of your first time checking it out. We're from the cities and suburbs, and we have different social stances and political views, and uh, some of you are young, and some of you are um, seasoned with wisdom. And so, see what I did there? Uh, yes. What we all have in common is that we have this life-changing mission that we've been given that is far more important than who wins a football game. We have been given a life-changing mission to share God's love with the world around us, and that's more important than ever, than ever. It's not just words we put on a screen or say that's our mission in a culture that you know is increasingly becoming divided. This is why Rally Weekend matters more than ever. It's why the church matters. It's why Jesus matters more than ever because I believe that people are hungry for hope. Not the church, but for hope, for real hope, for real peace in the midst of chaos. 
racial tension and, and, and divisiveness and, and, and hurricanes, natural disasters and violence and hatred. Man, we need Jesus more than ever, don't we? We need hope. I think people are overwhelmed. I think people are tired and they're hungry for something that matters, for something that's bigger even than an individual social stance or political view that you might have or your own particular preferences. We are on a mission from God. People are hungry for the love of Jesus. And this is the only cause that you could ever be a part of, I guarantee you, that's going to last forever, that's going to last for eternity. Things will come and go. Fads, preferences, opinions will come and go. But the mission of God will last forever. In fact, the many way, in many ways, the early church had a rally Sunday as well to give you a picture when the church was just starting. You know, Jesus died, and so Jesus' followers are scattered all over the place, and they're very diverse, and they're very different because they're scared. Their leader has just been killed. And yet, then he comes back, and he says, don't, don't go yet. Stay together. Come together. Rally together. Stay in Jerusalem until I give you power until I give you the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 1, they're all huddled together as a team, as followers of Jesus, and he shows up, and Jesus gives them their game plan. He gives them their mission. It's kind of a funky-looking slide, but let's try to read it together. Here we go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That is their mission. And so up until this point, they've been scattered. But when they rally together, they get their mission. And they could not have been a more diverse group as well. But when they rally together, they got their mission of what it means to be the church. And it's where we get our mission, our mission statement as hope as well, which is a great reminder. Let's read that together nice and loud. To reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That mission could not be more important. It doesn't get dated. It's always going to be relevant because the love of God, people are desperate for the love of God, whether they're going to express it or not. They're desperate for hope. That mission is not going to go out of date. And so you are a part of something. You are a part of a team here and a mission that is never going to go outdated. Simply, we love God and we love the world around us. Not some generic message that we bring to the world. The mission is not go be nice, go have good morals and, and, and values, <laughs> The message is go all in with Jesus and then point people to the love of Jesus because that's what they're desperate for. People don't need well wishes. People don't need good vibes. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. So love God and love your neighbors. And that happens to be at the very heart of the scripture that you heard Bill read this morning. We just kind of hopped right in to the middle of the Ten Commandments. But to give you a little bit of context, we are right in the middle of a sermon series called Here We Stand. Everybody say, Here We Stand. And those three words matter because those are the three words that kind of the founder of our Lutheran movement, Martin Luther, said as he stood before the council of bishops in the Catholic Church in the 1500s and said, there's some things that aren't right with the Catholic Church. And he went over and we've got our door here uh, of the church in Wittenberg, Germany, and he nailed his 95 theses to that door. And it was Luther's theology and his reformation of the church that kind of spurred on the uh, Protestant Reformation. And so as the many uh, gifts that Luther gave to that movement was a little book that he wrote, and he included in that book the Lord's Prayer and, and the Creed and also the Ten Commandments. And that little book is called Luther's Small Catechism. And for your convenience, it is small. It fits in your pocket. It's the size of your cell phone. So you could carry this around with you with your cell phone. So is that your cell phone? No, it's my catechism. Everybody should have one, right? And uh, we've got these available. We would love 
uh, for you to have these. And actually, Luther originally wrote these as for parents uh, to teach their kids the foundation of the faith. And one of the things that's in here is the Ten Commandments. And as we learned last week, I know a lot of you, I'm guessing, when you hear the Ten Commandments, you're not like, woo, rules, yeah, laws, I can't wait, you know, like I feel bad for Bill. Like, that was a tough scripture reading, you know, kind of a buzzkill here on this Rally Sunday, you would think. Because what we often do when you and I uh, look at a list of, of the Ten Commandments, and I kind of modernize the language a little bit, but you look at that list, and I'm guessing that for a lot of us, we fall into one or two ditches. For some of us, the first ditch that we fall into is kind of a comply or die that, that, that mentality that God is some old man with a big beard and a giant stick up in heaven waiting for you to screw up, waiting for you to sin, waiting for you to make mistakes, because a lot of you have this picture that God is angry with you. And that has distorted your view of Christianity. You're like, oh, if I do something wrong, then God's going to do something and he's going to make my life terrible. But if I do really, really good and, and earn his favor, then maybe things will go well for me. That's karma. That's not Christianity. That's not reality. That's not the way that life works. That's not the ditch we want to be in because that's not what the Bible says. And on the other hand, some of us kind of fall in the other ditch, which is the opposite, and say, well, let's not worry so much about it. I mean, John, it's 2017, and yeah, God's got his laws, but come on, there, there's flexibility. They're more like suggestions, right? When it's actually neither, some of you think when it comes to the Ten Commandments and God rules that all God wants from you is just like, you know, to fall in line, march in step, and he wants your compliance, I have really good news for you this morning. God doesn't need anything from you. He's God. He doesn't need anything from anybody. He wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't need anything from you. He has something that he wants to give you this morning. And that's his joy. And that's as Jesus says in John chapter 10, life. And life to the full. Life abundantly. God doesn't need anything from you. He wants to give you something. And that is a joy-filled Life. Listen to what God says about the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 4. He says this, If you obey all the decrees and commands I'm giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I am giving you these instructions so that you'll have a terrible life and be burdened. No, no, that's actually not what he says. I'm giving you these instructions so that you will get this. Enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Yes, God is very serious about the Ten Commandments. Why? Because he's serious about your joy. Because he's serious about you experiencing the kind of life that you were meant to live so that you could enjoy life and that all would go well for you. Don't get so lost in the rules that you forget the purpose of the rules. We, we ride into this slippery slope into legalism that, that church can only be a certain way and you can only read the Bible a certain way and you can only worship in a certain way and all these things. And God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. are those my rules? I gave you 10. Or are those man-made rules? We gotta be really careful that we worship God and not tradition. It's one of our values here at Hope. And I know we have a lot of different traditions, but what's the number one law that God gave us? <laughs> No other gods. And for some of us, we make gods of all sorts of things. But God says, don't lose the rules in, in the midst of all of them. Don't forget the purpose. It's so that you can truly live and experience freedom. 
I got a reminder uh, of this uh, a couple months ago. Tiffany and I got to be a part of a, a friend's wedding, and I officiated the wedding, and it just so happened uh, that I thought this would be appropriate for today, that the bride and the groom uh, were both graduates of Iowa State, and I forgave them for that But uh, before we did the, the wedding, but the groom is actually one of the head guys. We got Jamie Pollard, who's the athletic director uh, at Iowa State, and then there's this guy, and I won't share his name to protect the, the innocent there, but he, uh, he's one of the main guys that's in charge of Jack Trice Stadium, okay, where the game was yesterday. And so because of that, he's got a little in there, and so their wedding reception was at the Sukup End Zone Club there at Jack Trice. And so we're there, and we're having a good time, and we're dancing, and I was kind of hesitant to go, but I was like, okay, it'll be fun. And we're hanging out, we're having a good time, and then people start walking outside onto the balcony, and you, you walk out, and in this 60,000-seat stadium, you could hear a pin drop. There was nobody there. And he was like, whoa, this is amazing, even though it's enemy territory. This is amazing. This is so cool. And, and, and there's nobody there. And, and all of a sudden, we hear some laughter and some kids start running out on the field. And I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, a month before the season starts. I don't really know if we're supposed to be out there, that the lines aren't painted or anything. And then we see some people our age running out there. And I kind of turn and look at Tiffany, and I go, I think we should go. This would be a lot of fun, right? And so we go down there, and we're walking down, and I see one of the guys, that, that kind of the main guy, one of his friends, and say, is it okay? I'm kind of a pastor. I should probably obey the rules. And, and I gotta, is it okay if we go out there? He's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of joking. Just don't wear cleats or anything like that. I'm like, well, got my Sunday loafers on, so that's not going to be a problem. And so a whole bunch of us that are in the wedding party and, and a part of the wedding get down there, and I stop right before I get to the grass. I'm like, God, I'm, I'd cross, I'd, I'm sorry and cross myself or whatever. I, I apologize for this as a Hawkeye fan, but I'm like, this is an amazing opportunity. So we step on and we just start having a blast. Somebody brought a football and we start throwing, I'm throwing passes into the end zone in front of nobody and we're having a great time and we're, we're, we're laughing and we're goofing around and we've got our you know, suit coats on and girls are hiking up their, their wedding, their skirts and everything and throwing off their heels. We're having a fun time. And I stop right in the middle of it and I go, I feel like we should be getting in trouble about any time now. Like, this should be happening. I feel like we should get busted. I mean, you can see the headline now, like, Pastor, Hawkeye fan, arrested for trespassing at Jack Trice Stadium. Like, this is not going to go well for me. And then all of a sudden, I remember, like, when I think, oh, man, I'm going to be condemned. I'm going to be judged. I'm guilty. We broke the rules. Then it just occurred to me, wait a minute. We know the boss. We know the guy that's in charge of this joint. Like, we know the boss, and his heart is good, and he had the wedding reception here for our enjoyment. And here's what I think we do with the Ten Commandments. We focus on one or two individual rules, and we say, hey, you know, the guy just said, hey, just don't wear cleats. And we focus on that, but we forget the awesome freedom and joy that we basically have the whole field to ourselves, Folks, this is the Garden of Eden all over again when it comes to God's laws. We're exactly the same. Adam and Eve, God says, um, by the way, just, just, just don't eat the one fruit of the tree over here. That's it, just my one rule. Other than that, paradise is available to you. And what do Adam and Eve say? Oh, man, we can't eat the fruit. And God's like, did you forget? You have the whole field to play in. The whole stadium is yours, God says. I want you to experience life to the full, to experience my joy completely, God says. And you and I are like, oh, man, no adultery. Man, no other gods. I have to take a day off every week. What a drag. And God's saying, oh, don't miss the point. I've given you 
everything. And so sometimes I think that you and I look at the, the list and we say, oh man, like no adultery. And we seem, Jesus, God's some sort of like, you know, prude when it comes to sex or something like that. And, 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 and me and God, it's, it's 2017. God, what a, what a buzzkill. And I, <laughs> I wonder if God's no is for a greater yes. I wonder if every single one of those no's that's on that list is for a greater yes. And I wonder if God's saying to you, just to take a few of those commandments as examples, I wonder if God's saying, I'm, at, I'm no to adultery. I'm no to lust. Because God says, actually, I'm not just concerned about what happens out here. And when it comes to adultery, I'm actually more concerned about what's in here and here because emotional adultery is a real thing too because I want you to care for your heart. So God says, I'm no to adultery because I'm yes for carrying your heart and not throwing it around like a paper cup. I, I, I'm no to adultery because I'm yes for intimacy. I'm no to adultery because I'm yes for pleasure. Believe it or not, God's for sex. He created it. And yet he wants you to enjoy it within the boundaries. He's saying, you have the whole stadium. It's called marriage. And I want you to experience life to the full when it comes to your sexuality, when it comes to your friendships. God says, yes, I am a no to coveting what your neighbor has, but it's actually a yes to you experiencing joy and contentment in your life. God says, I'm no to lying because I'm yes for relationship and genuine, authentic friendship. You can't be gossiping and talking about other people behind their back and expect to have healthy relationships. God says, I'm no to cleats, but I'm yes to the entire stadium. Don't miss the heart of the law in the law itself. So why the Ten Commandments matter, to back up a little bit, we've been talking about a few different things, but number one, they point us to a Savior. I don't know about you, but I look at that list, and I, anybody 10 for 10 on the Ten Commandments this week? Anybody want to take a shot at that? Probably not, right? Neither am I. And so number one, the Ten Commandments point us to our need for a Savior. We're desperate for Jesus. Because we can never live up to that standard, and that's okay because Jesus has lived up to that standard. And so we put our faith in him. But number two, the reason the Ten Commandments still matter today is because we're desperate for joy. We're desperate for joy, for satisfaction. And we will only find that joy and that satisfaction to fill that hole inside of you that you feel, that angst, that, that longing for satisfaction. You're only going to find that when you play within God's stadium, <laughs> when you play within God's boundaries. And number three, the reason the Ten Commandments matter today is they show us how to truly love. I don't know about you, but go back to that uh, list for a second there, Mark, the Ten Commandments list. I don't know about you, but I, I look at that list and it's easy to get a little overwhelmed, isn't it? Like, man, I barely can keep up with my laundry, let alone, you know, a, get all of those figured out in a given week or, or a given day. That's a lot to think about. I just want to give you something to, to think about this morning, you see the first three there? No other gods, keep God's name holy. Remember the Sabbath? I wonder if God's saying to us this morning, what if you just focused on those three? What, what would it look like if you loved God with all of your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength? What, what would happen if you actually took a Sabbath? Even for those of you in families with kids, what if you had a family Sabbath and you said, we're not going to run around like crazy this day and we're actually just going to be and we're going to enjoy each other and relationships and most importantly, we're going to spend time with God. And once a week, you just spent time experiencing intimacy with God the same way that you would the person that you are closest to. 
and you talked with them, and you hung out with them, and you shared what's going on in your life, and you enjoyed each other's presence. That's what devotions are supposed to be. God is giving you a gift of a Sabbath, which is essentially a snow day every single week. You get to rest. And if Saturday is that day for you, great. If, if Sunday is, that's great. I, I'm not so concerned about the day. It's more about the heart of the law. Is there a 24-hour period in your week where you stop and remember that your worth is not based on your productivity? And that the world is going to continue to spin regardless of whether you get 20 emails answered or 50 emails answered. Your worth is not based on what you produce. Your worth is based on what Jesus says about you. And you are his son or daughter. And some of you have been duped into that. Into thinking that somehow you have to earn something that you already have. I wonder if we just took the first three, if we would be compelled and the natural response of our heart would be to do the next Seven. In other words, the more we spend time with God in weekly worship and in prayer and taking a Sabbath, as with any relationship, you're going to come to love what he loves. The more time you spend with somebody, you're going to grow to love what they love. In fact, all relationships are that way. For example, I was thinking about my relationship with Tiffany before we were married and, and who I was and the things that we liked and the hobbies, and it occurred to me that the, the longer that we've been together, the more I've actually come to enjoy what she does. And so we actually wrote this out on a document that's on our fridge that we won't just put up with each other's differences, but that we will learn to delight in each other's differences. And that is easier said than done. Um, that, not, always, uh, not always fun, but we say we're going to learn to delight in what's different and come to love what they love. For example, I used to loathe watching soccer, right? Football, as they call it across the pond, right? I used to hate it. One to zero is the final score? Like, come on, are you kidding? You know what? Eight years later, I love soccer. I love watching soccer. Why? Because she loves it. Wheel of Fortune is my favorite game show now because she's obsessed with it and she watches it all the time. So we watch that uh, together. I love her so much that I don't even hate the Cyclones anymore. Uh, I don't say I like them, but I don't hate them. But deeper than that, because I've spent time with her and I've spent time listening to her heart and observing her and her character, I think God has increased my compassion for the elderly. <laughs> we were at a restaurant one time and there was somebody that was, I don't know, in their, in their 80s that was sitting alone having pancakes and my wife just started to weep. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, I don't want him to be alone. <laughs> I was like, wow. And I've never forgot that moment the same thing with people that don't have a home. The same thing with people that don't have a lot to eat. The, the more I hang out with her, the more I realize that she has this heart of compassion for those that are broken and they're hurting and they're lost. And the more I hang out with her, the more I learn to love what she loves. And the same is true in our relationship with God. In fact, there's this story in Mark 12 where the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, okay, boil it all down, Jesus. Not just the Ten Commandments, but the over 600 laws that people have been given in the Old Testament. What's the most important one? And Jesus responds and he says this. Let's read it together on the screen. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. No commandment is greater than these. For Jesus, it's not two commandments. It's one commandment. You can't have one without the other. When you love somebody deeply, you will learn to love what they love. The longer you're in the presence of Jesus, the more you will be passionate about the purposes of Jesus. The more you're in the presence of Jesus, the more you'll be passionate about the purposes of Jesus. You show me somebody that hangs out with Jesus for a long time, they are gonna have a passion for people that are lost. They're gonna have a passion for people that are broken and that are hurting and that are in need of help. They're gonna have a passion for for, for, for worship, for coming, experiencing. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. The longer you hang out with Jesus, you're gonna experience just this heart of gratitude and you're gonna say, I have to go and worship on the weekend because God is so good regardless of what's going on in my life. He's going to increase a heart of gratitude within you. The longer you hang out with Jesus, you're not going to think about, oh, is it my week to serve or not? (laughs) Uh, I'm not really scheduled to serve. It's not going to matter because Jesus has washed your feet. Because he's that kind of a servant leader. And you're going to say, serving is not something we do. Servants are who we are as a church. It doesn't matter if I'm scheduled to serve this week or not. God, show me how I can love. Show me how I can serve because that's the heart of Jesus. It's why participating in this hurricane relief is so, it's a no-brainer. Jesus' heart breaks for those that are hurting today in Texas and in Florida. And my prayer is that that would ultimately be what defines us as a church would be love. If you're walking around work tomorrow morning and you're walking around downtown and I don't know why this would happen, but somebody randomly come up to you and say, hey, where do you worship at? Where, Where do you go? And you would say, you know, Hope Des Moines down there on Ingersoll, that my prayer would be that their initial first reaction above and beyond anything else, they would say, oh, wow, yeah, you guys are passionate about Jesus. Not your Bible scholars, not you have all the Bible memorized, not all these personal preferences, and so we like you or we don't like you or whatever it is, or this social issue or this agenda or whatever. Wow, you guys are passionate about Jesus. Yes, we are. And because of that, we're passionate about people. We're passionate about kids that don't have any parents in their lives and have role models in their lives. We're passionate about people that don't have a home. We're passionate about people that haven't got their last meal in the last couple of days. We're passionate about a lot of things <laughs> because we're passionate about Jesus. Why? Because love changes people. We're not into, you know... <laughs> We're not into tinkering with your heart and and making a few modifications to your life. We're not into heart modification. We're into heart transformation. And only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And nobody knows that better than a guy named Jeremy that's been a part of our church here for several years at Hope. And a while back, he was going through a really difficult time in his life. And he came to Hope asking the question that a lot of you have, what kind of church is this? Is this really for me? And he got that question answered. And as you watch this, ask yourself, what was it that changed his heart? Let's take a look. My name is Jeremy Smolik. God found me when I was broken. I kind of found hope in the middle of a broken spot in my life. Three years ago, I got divorced um, uh, to uh, a gal that I was with for 17 years. Uh, We have two kids, two girls. It was rough. It was a a club I never thought I'd be a part of. I was kind of in a spot where my marriage had fallen apart and um, I I didn't know where to turn. For a while, I turned to, um, you know, unhealthy ways of coping. um, And that wasn't working for me very well. 
The church was absent from my life during my marriage, and I needed something. Uh, I was, I was kind of lost, so I, I came to Hope, um, mostly just out of sheer curiosity. The moment I stepped in, I knew something was different, and uh, I kind of snuck in and out uh, for a while, going to sermons, and stayed pretty close to the back so I could escape. After I started going here, things, things changed a little bit. Um, I just felt peaceful here. And that's, that's kind of how I was introduced to Alpha. I was in church one day and watching the um, Alpha promo. It was like sealed in my heart that I was gonna do it. A couple days later, I signed up and it changed nearly every relationship that I had in my life and has led to so many great relationships since that I don't know how I lived without them before. They're the type of relationships that keep me going. I always heard Mike preach about, you know, we're better together, church is community, and, and we're all the body of Christ. And I, I never really bought into that until I took Alpha, and now I see the blessings of that all over my life. Something reached out and got a hold of Jeremy, and it wasn't some generic feeling of love. It was the love of God through the local church, through people like you, through a simple class like Alpha that starts tonight. And I don't know, maybe God's tugging on your heart right now to experience the same sort of thing. Maybe God's leading you to a place where you're like, I've been thinking about doing this alpha thing and I'm kind of new to the church and I've kind of been all over the place when it comes to religion, but God says, I want to have a relationship with you. And I know you got questions and I know you got doubts and I know you got struggles, but just like Jeremy, come just, just as you are. And even in his pain, even when he was literally on the sidelines of life, God met him there and he called him out. And now he's involved with alpha. He's a leader. He's one of our, you've probably seen him with VBS. He's one of our main VBS song leaders, and he's in the game. And I was thinking about today is Rally Sunday. Today is a day when we get off the sideline and we get off the bench and we're called to get in the game. But the reality is I know that for some of you this morning, you're on the sideline. Some of you, you're on the bench and you think that that's where you're going to be for a long time because you think that's where you deserve to be because you're disqualified because you have limitations, because you have certain weaknesses in your life, or you've made mistakes, or you've done something, and you're like, I'm going to be on the bench for a while. I've been pretty disconnected with the church. And you and I, we make every excuse in the book. We say, it's not really a good time for me to, to take Alpha, or to, to join the new member class, or to join a team, or start serving right now. We come up with every excuse in the book, and yet sometimes we need some perspective on that. And nobody has more excuses, and, and should have more excuses then a guy I want to introduce you to named Jake. His name's Jake Olson, and he had every right to stay on the bench and never play the game. This is Jake, and at 12 years old, he was diagnosed with something called retinoblastoma, which is a form of eye cancer, and at 12 years old, he lost his sight. And yet, he refused to let it get the best of him and, and derail him and keep him on the sidelines. I mean, this guy is like the Western version of Rudy. <laughs> 
his passion was USC football, University of Southern California. So we're ending here, so we're partial. It's not Hawks or clones. It's USC, and he lifelong dream was to play football. And so he went as a kid, and he hung out with the coaches and the players, and you watch his whole life story. It's absolutely incredible. And eventually, last Saturday, he, he, he makes the dress squad for the USC team, and little did he know that at the end of the game, if they were winning, that the coach was going to put him in. And he's a long snapper, so this is difficult. Like, he can't see, and so he's got to hike the ball between his legs and just nail it to the holder right there in the right timing so they can kick the extra point. And he's standing on the sideline, and all of a sudden, Coach Helton puts him in. And watch what unfolds as someone that had every right to stay on the sideline and say, it's not for me. Overcome those obstacles and get in the game. Let's take a look. If that doesn't... (laughs) get inside your heart a little bit. I don't know what does. I I was thinking about it this week. Why does that inspire us so much? Why does that get, get me emotional every time that I watch it? Because I think deep down inside, we all long for that. Some of you are doing Christianity from the sidelines. And Jesus says there is so much more for you. We all long to get in the game, not just a football game, but we all long to be a part of something that matters. And just like Jake and just like Jeremy in the story before, God is calling you into the game today. I I don't know about you, but you see at the very beginning of the clip when he runs out with this holder, where's his hand? It's right on the back. It's right on the shoulder of the guy before him, and they, they run out together. He is lost without that guy. And then he goes back, and I the, the, the look on his face, and you can see his teammates surrounding him. And this thought just popped into my head. I was watching that. I go, who's your team? <laughs> In the game of life, who's your team? Who's around you? Who can you put your hand on their shoulder and, when you need something? <laughs> Do you have any friends you can go to? Do you have community? Do you have your relationships? We're not trying to get you in small groups and tell you to take Alpha so we can pad our stats. We're trying to get you in small groups because you were created for relationship. You can't do Christianity alone. It's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. We need each other. We need somebody to put our hand on their shoulder and say, I need you. Let's do this together. God is calling you into the game. Do you have a shoulder to rely on? We all need a team today. And just like Jeremy and just like Jake, we we need each other. And you never know, just like those guys in their stories, when God's going to just call you out, you know? God's kind of like a quarterback, and he's looking out there, and he's kind of scanning the field, and he's, there's all these opportunities for, for touchdowns, for, for you to get involved, for you to get in the game. And some of you are like, I'm just going to stand out there with my hands in my pockets, and hopefully God will never, you know, call on me and actually send me into the game. It's a lot easier if I just stay here in my seat. But folks, it's Rally Sunday. Well, you came to church on the wrong day because you never know, right, when God might just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you into the game, and, you know, maybe it's time to be a part of this church family and, and, and join new member class. You just never know when God's just going to throw you a ball. Thank you. Good toss. The goal is to throw it back. That's right. Thank you. Need that. Or maybe for some of you, it's like, I've been thinking about this alpha thing. You know, I, 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 just, I, I think it's time, and I'm, I'm scanning the crowd, and there's a guy with an alpha shirt over there, right? Oh, there he is, right there. Good. Almost had an interception. That's good. <laughs> maybe, God's, maybe God's calling you to take alpha, and he's like, 
man, you better, you better be ready for this. I'm calling you into the game. I never thought I would take Alpha, but maybe it's time to do that. For some of you, you're, you're young adults, and God's thinking, you know what? I, I, I don't wait until get people involved in life. If you're in your 20s and 30-somethings, small group starts tomorrow night. Go, go to the lunch, and God's looking at you saying, maybe it's time. You know, maybe it's God's calling you. That was more of a triple option there. God, oh, nice. God's calling you into the game, right? For some of you, as I watch all these people that are serving coffee and being ushers and greeters and prayer partners, maybe God's calling you to join the hospitality team, and, and, and you just got to be ready, and you never know when God's going to call you out and say, hey, it's your time to shine, pal. There you go. Absolutely. I need to find some ladies out there to throw this to. Anybody ready? Okay, there we go. Dell is ready. There we go. Awesome. Oh, 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 there we go. Awesome. There we go. That was amazing. Wow. Hey, we haven't hit a light yet. It's great. You never know when God's going to call you out into the game and say, it's time to serve. It's time to draw a small. I'm going to stop while I'm ahead uh, with that. That was, that was a tough pass. But I tell you what, you're not going to forget that. Folks, it's Rally Sunday. God is calling you into the game. Because how silly would it be if on Rally Sunday we huddled all together and we gathered all together here in our huddle, but we never actually went and were the church and actually played the game? Imagine if you had tickets to the game yesterday and you got to, you spent a whole bunch of money at the 50-yard line and, and there you are and you're so excited, you've been waiting all year to go to it and you get there early and the, the bands are playing and the lights and the music and the smoke and the teams run out on the field and they warm up and they practice and you're so excited, you got your hot dog and your popcorn and your beverage of choice and you're out there and you're ready for the game and you are so pumped and the teams run out on the field and they head over to the sidelines and then they huddle up for a couple minutes and then they huddle up for five minutes and then they huddle up for 10 minutes and then they huddle up for 30 minutes and then they huddle up for an hour and then they all turn around and both teams run back into the locker rooms and you're sitting there going what I, I paid money to, to watch the players play to, to see them play the game not huddle up because how ridiculous would it be for a group of people to huddle up for an hour a week and never actually play the game and never actually do ministry, and never actually be a part of what God is doing. Folks, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it if an hour a week is your experience with Christianity. God said there is so much more, and I'm calling you to huddle up on this rally Sunday, and now it's time to go play the game. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and pray.